Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant with Fergus Elias and The Isaacs. Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant Christmas Special with a very special guest, Libby Brody, as we discuss all things alcohol and Christmas. Well, welcome to our Christmas special podcast episode thing. Um, we are delighted, i.e. Lee and I, uh, that yet another person has been stupid enough to ruin their reputation by coming on our silly little podcast. This week, it is Libby Brody. Um, she is a woman of, who needs very little introduction, but has sent me a fabulous bio, which I'm going to read word for word. So... Libby Brody is the founder of Bax and Brody, wine consultancy and City AM's dedicated wine columnist with her regular Wine Without the Snobbery page. Also published in The Buyer, Club Onology, Thrillist and Metro, Libby has presented online, radio, podcasts and TV, including teaching England rugby legend Joe Marler, who is a legend, by the way, how to taste wine and recommending wines on morning TV. A qualified wine consultant and self-proclaimed wine translator, she is passionate about accessible wine communication, as can be seen by the wine tourism course she created for the Lonely Planet affiliate Bright Trip, her YouTube channel, Boozy and the Beast, How to Drink Better, very, very highly recommended, her recent series, Roaming the Rhone, and her regular work hosting and moderating panel discussions, regularly working with private clients, events companies, and online industry campaigns. She hosts tastings both in person and online, sources and curates wine lists, and co-founded the Wine Collective to work on social media content and strategy targeting high net worth individuals with premium brands and regions, alongside her own Instagram account at Libby Brody. Libby, thank you so much for coming on our pod. That was actually spectacularly embarrassing, and I don't get embarrassed that much. <laughs> I sort of, <laughs> hearing Hearing something you've written as your bio read back to you is is incredibly cringe-inducing. <laughs> and, I, and I know that was going to happen. I might have edited it slightly. <laughs> but the, no, the no, thing no, is no. that it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be cringe because all of that is is demonstrably true, oh. and you are outstanding. However, I not like if somebody would well if somebody were to read back what I've done, that would be that wouldn't even be a complete sentence. But I, I think you should bask in that. Yeah, no, I, I, I go here I am more. and 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 if you do ever want to make Lee feel uncomfortable it is really fun just you just have to compliment him you just go Lee okay you're anyway you're yes right. Fergus we, we we've got a tight schedule to keep to here so um Libby how's how's the voice holding up you've had a very busy week I have I'm I, it's, yeah I'm extra I'm extra husky for you guys today um I have quite a husky voice anyway um all these gin and fags as a child um <laughs> but um with the, the with the Christmas season there's so much talking and presenting and chatting and mingling and I have quite a weak voice which is a bit of a downfall for a, a wine communicator so I'm yeah I'm I'm very husky today hello I, right we need to um Ferg just while I do the next bit can you get on the phone to Marks and Spencer's PR people because we found the next voice for their MS adverts yeah great and I then imagine. you know gonna be huge I also you know, I, I talk a bit about why nowhere near is the, the, the level or skill of, of Libby, but I do occasionally lose my voice. But I, neither of you have ever spoken to me on the phone. It's always been face to face or messaging. Now, what you, you may not realise is that on the phone, I have quite an effeminate 
voice. I don't know why that is. It's always been the case. This, this is ask anybody that talks to me on the phone regularly. They'll go, yeah, at least like there's a pitch change. There's something happens. I, I have quite a, a feminine voice on the phone, which is I'm not saying that's an, an issue or problem. That's my natural voice. But years and years ago, um, I'd been doing sort of some talks, and so I'm losing my voice a little bit, as you said there, Libby. And I booked a hotel. I was we were going to stay away for a couple of days. And I, but I needed to change the booking because some work had come in, so I needed to shift everything by day. So I phoned them. You know, I didn't do this online because I was weird. I thought I'll talk to someone on the phone. So I phoned them, talking to the lady on the end of the phone representing the hotel company. Uh, I need to move the booking, please. And she said, yes, can you confirm what name the booking is in? I said, yes, it's, it's under Mr. Lee Isaacs. She said, am I talking to Mrs. Isaacs? And I said, no, you're talking to Mr. Isaacs. And she, instead of just going, okay, sorry about that, oh, we, you do have a rather ladylike voice on the phone, don't you, Mr. Isaacs? I was like, yeah, okay, no. there's no need to. But then, so what I thought I'd do, right, is I've got to fix this. As you've just referenced, Libby, you know, cigarettes, gin, for me it was whiskey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink loads of bourbon, smoke loads of cigarettes, deepen my voice, sort it out. Turns out all that happened was I sounded like Deirdre from Coronation Street. <laughs> um, anyway, on that note, Libby, to... to Echo Ferguson Sentiments, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, you, you are an incredibly busy individual and you, and you do so many different things, which is which is wonderful. So we'll crack on with this. What's going to happen today, dear listener, um, uh, if Fergus hasn't already explained this to his mum, who is our one listener? What's I actually sent for the running list for today. Uh, she was oh. just curious. Oh, fa fabulous. So she, she knows all about it. What's yeah, we've, done, we've, done a, we've done a bit of a round robin. So... I've sent Libby a bottle, Libby sent Ferg a bottle, uh, and Fergus has sent me a bottle. And as will be demonstrated shortly, clearly, demonstrably, Fergus has completely lost his mind. But what we thought we'd do is send each other sort of a Christmassy kind of bottle or a bottle we might use for Christmas, intersperse it with some really insightful, deep, meaningful Christmas questions. Uh, and, and, you know, if the three of us were together for Christmas Day, this is probably what we'd be doing. Um, I think that makes sense. I think you should introduce us to your wine, Libby. The one got, what's sent, going on? The one that I sent or the one that I've got in front of me? The one that you've got in front of you. Okay, so I don't know this, um, that you have very kindly sent me. Um, and as I think anyone who has watched Beauty and the Beast will tell you, I can't pronounce anything because I sound like Del Boy when I try to say anything foreign. Um, but Bodega Alandes? Am I saying that Alandes. Alandes. Fantastic. It's, um, it's a white Bordeaux blend. So um, Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc uh, from Mendoza in Argentina. Now, I love Argentinian wine because obviously the altitude, the perfect grape ripening and things like that. And it's interesting to me because I completely ignored white Bordeaux for most of my life. Um, and I've only really started drinking it this year because I think I got, and this is unfair of me and judgy, but I got a bit meh about Sauvignon Blanc in general. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, um, mainly because you've got some self-respect, I'd imagine. So, well, but actually, that's not fair because I've actually had some I'm fantastic examples this year. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. I have. I really. I don't was, believe that. It's true. There was one I had: wild ferment. Uh, Berg's yeah. favourite. That. Mm, yeah. Another wild ferment. Did they? Did they not put it through a filter and maybe I don't know throw some extra lees in there so the bottle was nice and cloudy? There was no cloud. There was no cloud. But it was. I couldn't even tell it was a Sauvignon Blanc, and maybe that's why. That's I like why it. Well, <laughs> your your honour, the case yeah. rests. I would like, and I was like, actually, no, I'm just going to crack it. Um, 
Um, so yeah, so I, I actually have had a few recently that I thought, actually, I'm being a bit of a, do you know what? I'm being a wine snob and that's not cool because that's not my brand. That's not my brand. No, so that's a wine I'm, snobs. I'm excited. No. I'm excited to try this this morning. I, well, I hope, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about it. So Alandes means along the Andes. Um, we all have our winemaking heroes. I mean, obviously, Fergus is chief amongst us, chief, yeah. chief amongst them for all of us. Um, I mean, one of my are winemaking... there any other winemakers or are they just people that do things with grapes? I, I thought you invented the very concept of winemaking, Fergus. Well, you, was... it's funny you should mention this, but, you know, when um, Enrico Hernandez came up to me and, and said he was thinking of planting uh, Bordeaux blend in, in the Andes, um, I, I told him that it, I thought it was a really good idea. This is this is all from you, isn't it? Oh my so god, that sounds amazing. That's so this is thanks. thanks. This is this is um, made <laughs> well by done, one of my wine... <laughs> well, well done, done. Fergus. This this is made by one of my winemaking heroes, a guy called Karen Mussi, who's obviously in in Mendoza in in Argentina, and and I think now it's fair to you know it's, it, it's he's not just one of my winemaking heroes that the entire trade recognises just this guy's talent. So the, the, the vineyards for this, it, it's a Semso blend, as you've said, it's it's a white Bordeaux blend. And I was a bit like you, be just a bit down on white Bordeaux blends and about Bordeaux generally for, for various reasons. The, the fruit here is grown in um, two areas called La Consulta and Los Chacayas, 1100 metres above sea level. Karen Mussi doesn't normally go for he's, he's sort of much more expression and you know, lower extraction. Interestingly, this is fermented in oak, old oak, 14 months on the lees in old French oak, but it's a multi-vintage blend. So it's multi-site, multi-grape, multi-vintage. Part of his idea is, you know, as climate change impacts us more, we need to be more reactive and, and, and try and work out how to deal with this. The reason I've sort of sent this out, for, for a Christmas Day white, I like something with a bit of richness, a bit of white. I, you know, I'll have a German... Uh, a Riesling to kick off with but as we move through the day I like some of that little bit of weight and richness and the last time I was in Argentina I've not been able to go back since Covid normally I'm there every year the last time I was out there 2019 and you know, I tasted sort of three four hundred wines or something ridiculous and this came out as my top wine of the trip it, because it was just it felt so unique and so original you know I think only two percent of Argentine exports to the UK are white so it's a very very small percentage I personally just loved it. So any opportunity to go, I think I can share this with someone and hopefully they'll enjoy it. It's now, really cool. You like it's, it? It's just my kind of wine as well. This is just my kind of my kind of jam. Oh no, I was I was I was I was just going to say that I too am quite a newcomer to the to white Bordeaux. I often poo-pooed it, but having just come back from a week in Bordeaux where I drank almost exclusively Bordeaux wines because when in Rome, um I've had a similar experience. It's, it was I, it reminded me that they actually they make wines of real complexity and real weight and real interest. Um, that was all, that was my tuppence. <laughs> Look, I think that's accurate. It's quite punchy on the booze. Mm -hmm. The ABV. It's got yeah. some, it's got some Christmas heat to keep you toasty warm. Fourteen well, percent. That's what I was thinking. Energy crisis. We're all turning the heating off. There are other ways to keep warm. Yeah, I mean it's right, exactly, yeah, yeah. it's doing multiple jobs, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> this is this is a workhorse wine. It's it's yeah. doing the heavy lifting for us. It, it's a wine I dearly love. 
um, you know, it's available through through several independents and and every year around this time, I sort of tend to buy six bottles and stick them away. I think it ages wonderfully. I just think it's, a, it, and because it's a bit different, it's Christmas, you want to have something that isn't necessarily obvious, or if it is obvious, you want to go supreme quality. So for me, this is just, it's a nice wine to stick on the table and go, this, I think wine should provoke conversation and, and it can do that in, in several different ways. Yeah. And I think this one provokes conversation for a start by going, what on earth is this? what's going on here um so i hope you enjoy it obviously drink it over the just drink it for the rest as we record this dear listener it's yeah. sort of like 20 past 10 on a friday morning um so <laughs> Libby's just going to enjoy the rest of the bottle before she does anything else um yeah. right we, we've, we've got a hit out here with the the big important questions mm-hmm. this is the christmas special the christmas episode so libby it's christmas day 25th of December not everybody knows when Christmas Day there's a really interesting thing isn't it so when I was running the wine shop right the day that Christmas fell on had a psychological impact on consumer habits so it's always the 25th of December right we all know that okay but if Christmas Day was a Sunday as it is this year like I, I, shoppers would say oh I've got an extra day what well I, I can I can shop up until Saturday on Christmas Eve you can always shop on Christmas Eve. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. No, but I've got an extra day. You haven't. You have exactly 364 days between this Christmas and next Christmas, unless it's a leap year. So you don't have an extra day at all. Anyway, I've gone, right, it's Christmas Day. Right? On, on the psychology of Christmas, just on that, because I think we're all feeling this, it's a really, really busy time for wine, like wine communication and work in that way. It's really, really busy. I don't understand why everyone wants to meet for a, we must meet for a Christmas drink. Why? What happens after the 25th? Do we all just die? Like, does the world end? Like, we have happily not met up for a drink for the last <laughs> months. So why must I try and see you for an hour's drink? I just, it's such a weird tradition. I was like, this is the busiest time. Why do I need, can I not see you in January? It's really weird to me. And I mean, in fact, January, the on-trade really struggles because nobody goes out. So why don't we save it all up and go, we'll go out in January we'll show some love and support to the on-trade because they will get that during December from everybody. Not that we're not going to support them in December. Let's do enjoy. So here we go. This isn't the question I was going to ask you. So there's now two questions. And actually, this is a question for both of you. And it, it's germane because of something you've just said, Libby. What percentage of alcohol sales, annual alcohol sales, Christmas period? Ooh. So of all the alcohol sold in the UK from January to December, what percentage happens in Christmas? Are you talking about like on or off trade or both together? Together. I don't know. 20%. <laughs> I'm really bad at maths. Oh, Ferg, I'm going to have to press you. 20% feels high. It does. I'm still saying it. But then there are only 12 months in the year. So this is true. you'd expect it to be over 10. I'm going to split the difference. I'll go for 16.5%. Over the, what is classified as the eight weeks of Christmas from a retail perspective oh, and obviously crazy. obviously i'm lumping in uh on trade here it's about 25 percent. so 25 oh, percent of the annual now anecdotally that was reflected when i ran the shop 25 percent of my take was actually between the first and 24th of december it was frightening but wonderful it's the best thing to do mm. but that wasn't the original question there we go there's another so my question was going back to that libby it's christmas day yeah you're you're wherever you're going to be on Christmas Day, your family doing all the nice things, you get a call at five to three. The king has gone down to his cellar to get some old claret and he's got locked in 
he can't get out. He's stuck. There's, he is yeah. not getting out of this cellar in yeah. the immediate future. Yeah. So the TV companies are calling on you, Libby Brody, and go, we need you to step in and deliver the King's speech. But he's got his printed speech it's in his pocket of his waistcoat, which he didn't take off when he went into the cellar. So Libby, what is your Christmas speech going to consist of? What's the message? What are you going to say to the adoring public? Um, oh, I think everyone just calm down. Um, no, I think like no, I think my speech would just be, um, can everyone just stop being so judgy? Judge being judgmental. People being judgmental is my least favorite human characteristic. You know, I think like genocide and stuff like that is pretty bad too. That's a clip for the audio, as a, as a But as a characteristic, I really don't understand when people get judgmental. Using your judgment is fine, but when people are judgmental about each other, how they're living their lives, how they're celebrating Christmas, how they are in relationships, how uh, the house looks, how they look. I, it's my least favorite thing. It, it's a waste of time. Let as long as they're not hurting anyone, let people crack on with what they're doing. And can we all just give everyone a break? Um, because life is like I think we can all agree there are life has its struggles already. So however you're managing that and you know building a life for yourself and your loved ones, that's that's what you do. So I yeah, my main message would be can we all just calm down and stop judging each other? I think everyone just get on a lot better if that was the case. And and then um, it would probably be along the lines of, should we just stop this speech that no one really cares about? Have a drink. I think that would be the best King's stroke Queen's speech ever given, because firstly, it's short. So we like that. Yeah, Secondly, the message. Love it. Calm down. Just calm down. Just ca camera pans in to Libby. You come in centre frame. You look yeah. straight to the camera. Calm down fade out <laughs> everybody everybody gets the cheese board out the mince pies whatever it is they're doing. Doors. yeah Rapture, like the nice entire nation stand of, of the tower of london you know all very yeah, the, the, the public everybody steps outside their front door and applauds yeah yep. it'd be like you know I, I don't know why the nhs is striking i mean we clapped for them a lot <laughs> i banged a saucepan damn it yeah. I mean, they're so ungrateful um, aren't they i yeah uh, uh, i mean are they not so much happiness is, are the NHS nurses not like, can can I zoom into British Gas and go, look, I haven't got any money, but I can clap at you. Thanks like, for giving clap, me your gas. Clap, clap for heating. Surely um, what that. that. What would your messages be if you had one? Oh, Ferg after you. Oh, well, it's it's obvious. Uh, drink more Balfour wines, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yours, yours would be an advertorial, really, wouldn't it? No, I like the idea of what was that classic Ali G liner? You all need to respect each other more. And I think that I think that's I think that's always very apt. And yeah, everyone's everyone everyone just needs to, as you say, plow their own furrow and just get on with stuff. Yeah. Because life is already hard enough. And it doesn't need to be any worse. More ploughing. More ploughing. Plow on. Yeah. Got, we've got to get more ploughing. The yeah. needs more ploughing. Yeah. There's a ploughing match in Kent. You guys should come. It's really fun. Really? I'm up for it. Yeah. Every summer. Um, they do a competition where you have to throw a bear, like a sack of hay over a, over a thing. And then the higher up you go, the, the, the more likely it is that you win. Um, you can have something which I've called a Kentish 99, which is where you get a, a, a 99, a flake 99, but you tell them to give them give you five flakes 
um, and that's a Kentish 99. And there are tractors and there are plows. Um, there's clay pigeon shooting. And then that was the day that I discovered that Bethan is a better shot than me. And I almost, almost. Did you cried. end it? I, Did you I, feel I, emasculated? I, was, <laughs> I, I started blowing in her ear to try and put her off. Didn't work. <laughs> oh, that's very, that's very um, Prince of Thieves. It, uh, yes. I was just very thinking that. Yeah. When she blows in his ear and he shoots the wrong way. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, Lee? What's your message? We've got don't be judgmental, buy Balfour and more ploughing. I think I think I'd open with something along the lines of to quote Socrates, Ooh. the unexamined life is not worth living. Get some Pink Floyd on, open a bottle of your favourite tipple, whatever that is. And if it, and if you don't drink alcohol, whatever your favourite non-alcoholic tipple is. Funnily enough, Balfour uh, do make a non-alcoholic sparkling wine as well. Yeah, we we won't we won't talk about that. We won't talk we won't talk about those. Yeah, I'd probably go something like calm the fuck down. Ooh. Nice. Sort it yeah. out. Because we're on this show. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Drop the F bombs. Right. Anything right. you like. Go ahead. We, we think draw the line of the C bomb. I'd be uh, well, it is the Christmas episode. I mean we've got to say it at some point, Ferg. What crimbo? Oh no, no. Oh, I'm going to more holy box. No, no. The irony though, there, I get that, is I would say something along the lines of everybody's entitled to an opinion. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Nobody's entitled to enforce that opinion on anybody else. Agreed. Discuss it. We like that. Don't force your opinion on somebody else. Calm down. Forget about it. And then I don't know, I'd, I'd tell a, a joke. And, and what would happen there? The reason I'd do that. So tell a joke, I'd be met by silence, but I would walk off as if I'd said the greatest thing any human being has ever said and bask in my own glory, unaware that everybody's gone, he's, he's ruined this. He's ruined it's a bit like Charlie Chaplin after their speech at the end of The Dictator, you know. Where... Yeah, that's ex- In fact, I'd just read that speech. I that would be my speech. Bit. I would just read the, the great dictator's speech. It is a fantastic, it. fantastic Phenomenal. speech. It is wonderfully done. Immense. Um, what would be the joke you would end on, though? That's that's a good question, because it's it's got to be a Christmas joke, hasn't it? Christmas best Christmas cracker joke. Okay. And your meaningful speech on Christmas Christmas cracker joke, but it's got to be wine related. Oh, because wine. that's oh, what, what I do. Right? So my best <laughs> wine related Christmas cracker joke would be: Did you know that Rudolph loves drinking Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc? Yes, he's a terrain deer. Oh no! Holy oh, shit! But that's actually pretty good. I quite enjoyed that. That's uh, and then and then I just tap out. I'll yeah, but also oh, like geez, inevitably, okay. what would happen is I'd start getting the like the press request. I'd start getting the media attention, and I'd just walk away from it. Yeah, would you go? I I, I have nothing else to say. I'm, I, that's so. Then become like I'd become like an enigma, which I wouldn't deserve to be <laughs> anyway. But I'd become one. You see, so I'd use the power of the media against them. Yeah. Would you become an enigma wrapped up inside of a riddle? Oh wait, no, I've got that wrong, haven't I? That's something I'd like the like a, a I'd be as snug as a bug in a rug. Yeah, that cool. That's right. Anyway. We, we're we're bogging here. We're bogging. Let's move. We are. What's next? Um rundown. Yeah, that's it. Ferg, what have you got? Uh, I've drunk my wine. Um <laughs> It's only 10 a.m., but it's gone. He smashed it. He smashed it right down. 
absolutely hammered. Uh, no, so Libby very kindly sent me that delightful bottle of the FMC, which our listener, of course, knows I tasted during our blind because Libby very kindly sent it in in a bag to make it look all pretty and lovely. And I looked at this and went, oh, I can't see what's in that bag. It must be my blind from my coins at Bin2. There we go, we've dropped Bin2 and uh, we've, we've met our sort of, uh, commercial requirements there. Uh, just for clarity, he doesn't pay us. Um, uh, so I've well, tasted pays me. and thoroughly enjoyed um, my bottle from you, Libby. Thank you very much. Um, so I had a bottle of the FMC of Ken Forrester fame. Um, and I remember when Ken came to me and told me he was thinking of planting Shannon uh, Blanc when everyone else was ripping it up in South Africa. And, and I said, you should, you should do it. And you know what you should do? You should leave it for about 30 years and then you should um, pick it, but, but you should pick it in waves. Um, so he, you know, he picks it sort of six or seven times, um, yeah. and so you get optimum ripeness. That was me, uh, but you know, I, I don't want to talk about me too much. Um, but it was, it was delicious. It was such a fabulous wine that it had that wonderful weight and richness from that little bit of RS. Those sort of slight botrysized hints, that lovely sort of orange citrus. Core, I, I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you very much. And I can see it pairing wonderfully with um, turkey and or any form of game and or pretty much most things. I just really enjoyed it. Um, and I then decanted it. So we did it for the blind and then I had it the next day with, with Sunday rice and I decanted it and it was like a whole new level. Um, and it was it was phenomenal. Um, so thank you very much. I'm very grateful. Um, okay. Can I tell you both about my game that I've created for this for this particular episode? Oh, yeah. please do. Um, so, I uh, when we started this podcast, I used to make up really exciting, funny game names, and and then Lee would would pan them and tell me how rubbish they were. So I stopped doing it due to lack of confidence. But I feel I've got a good name and a good game here. <laughs> the game is called Fromage à Trois. And the idea is, there are three of us, each of us names are three cheeses for Christmas. Oh, that's, that's brutal. That's also, it's also a callback, Lee, to our episode about cheese and wine pairing, so you know. Featuring the wonderful Jessica Summer, Mouse and Grape, www.mouseandgrape.com. By the time that this episode goes out, it's probably too late Definitely to get a hamper. To get but a Christmas hamper. But why not all one in January? She's doing Valentine's hampers. She's doing Valentine's hampers, so you can Boom. get wouldn't be too late. No. And I know Libby, you've recently written a piece where you featured uh, Jessica uh, yeah. and her cheeses. Go and check them out. If if you can get a hamper in time for Christmas, do it. If not, as Libby just one. said, Valentine's. They're immense, immense. So the three, okay, three favorite cheeses for Christmas. Um, three Christmas cheeses. Um, three I'll, Christmas I'll hit it. I'll hit it off because I've got them nailed, and I've and it gives you time to consider yours. So. Yeah. A classic Comte, because that is literally, at one stage, that was the only cheese I ate. Um, I think I'd want about an 18-monther, so I'm quite specific. I don't like it to get too old. Once you get into 36 months, it all becomes a bit much for me. I don't want it too young. I think 18 months is the perfect stage for Comte. Um, there's a soft cheese called Delice de Bourgogne, which is made with cream. And it is as decadent and ridiculously delicious as you as as it sounds. I mean, what what 
way could you possibly improve cheese you rather than use milk you use cream um so that would be my second cheese and then my third i'd either have Shropshire blue because my i have family from Shropshire, and that's always been a big part of it and you sort of need a blue i feel at christmas time or because blue can be divisive i might have something like um an outback creamy, which is like an alpine creamy cheese, which is quite nice, sort of, um, and and that's a bit of a crowd pleaser. So it depends, you know, if you've got people who don't want blue, that would be my um, menage a trois. Nice. Mm. Very nice. No, fromage a trois. Fromage a trois. Fromage a trois. Très bien. Mercy bucket. Où est Lassange? Anyway, no, sorry, we don't need to get down there. Où est Lassange? Lassange because he's a cheeky monkey um anyway libby yeah please okay, so you're, you're from marshall i was taken to twickenham by mensendorf a few weeks ago and um they did the thing where you had the lunch in the car park um oh, yeah. it was really like so it was all like very traditional and, and stuff and i uh, i love flavor and food but i'm not always that mindful about it so i was sort of standing next to the table um picking at bits and i put this cheese in my mouth and i was talking to a couple of people and i think i just went oh fuck me what is that it was so good <laughs> and i and i turned my back on the people i was talking to and I had to go over the table and hunt out whatever it was i just put in my mouth um and took a photo of it and put it on Instagram. You see the powers of Instagram, the uses of it. It was like, what is this cheese? Someone mm. tell me. Um, and basically the, the cheese explorer on, on, on Instagram came back and told me it was a, and I'm so sorry for the pronunciation, Forme d'Ambert, Forme d'Ambert. And it's, um, it's like a blue cheese and it, it's kind of, it's of earthy and creamy and it's light. And it's, it's honestly, it was one of the best things I've had in my mouth. And I, I just loved it. So that I'm actually getting some from Mouse and Grape for Christmas. Yes, uh, does uh, sell it. So I'm getting one of those. One of them, which is up until that point, my favorite cheese is a truffle brie. Ooh. I mean, I love brie. I love truffle. Strong. Strong. It's it's just that sort of like creamy, decadent. Have that with a glass of champagne. Have that with a glass of Balfour. And um, sure. yeah, yeah. and You're that would be... <laughs> Perfect combo. Um, those would be my top two. And if I had to have a third one, I like I do love a bit of an earthy goat, but I think for the board's sake, I'm gonna go like manchego, like a sort of a hard nutty. I really like that. And that goes, and that and also that that I find is the easiest cheese to pair with wine. Like if there's lots of different if, if someone hasn't got like a sweet wine or they haven't got a champagne, if you've got a sort of a red or the, the hard nutty cheese is a is a good wine pair one. So those are my three. Great. Congratulations, you've completed Fromage à Toi. Fromage à Toi with you two. Oh, it's a Friday morning to remember. <laughs> fromage à Toi. Um, on, right, this isn't easy. And I'm going to try and pick cheeses that you have because commentators. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Wens Wensleydale with cranberries. That's for Jess, oh. who's coming around because um, she'd love it. Um, right, because Comte would feature pretty highly for me, but that's already been named. Right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm changing as we go. One of my I best cheese experiences. I like wrote these down. I did. I did, you see, because I can't remember anything. So one of my favourite cheese experiences, I was in the Vento, um, and I used to work with a brilliant Lugana producer. Oh, his name, you know when he just a name just goes? I used to work with a brilliant Lugana producer 
was hit at his estate, did some tasting, you know, out the vineyards, all of that. We went back in and he produced a Parmigiano Reggiano that was aged for 60 months. And Ooh. it tasted like toffee. But I have this like, for me, cheese is a savoury food. It shouldn't be sweet. But it wasn't sweet. It was, it, but it tasted like toffee. It was incredible. What would you pair Absolutely. with that? Um, actually, so this, his, his Lugana worked Lovely. really well, obviously, because we were there. <laughs> Um, so Balfour but I, I, Brut Rosé. Balfour Brut Rosé, um, the really expensive one. Um, yeah, now, I, I, actually, with that, a really good Amontillado, like Bodegas Tradition Amontillado, blinded with that. That's That would be the pairing. So I'm going with this old Parmigiano-Reggiano. I, I need a blue, because I love blue cheese. But I'm thinking, you know, who else is going to be present? And I don't want too heavy a blue, as, as uh, I think it was Ferg said blue can be divisive. I think it was it might have been you to be. So mm. Colston Bassett would maybe be my first choice, but I might actually go for a Roquefort because you've got the blue cheese, but you've got the creaminess, it's quite soft. So that sort of it's got a bit more appeal to more people. So we like that. But I'm concluding my fromage à toi with the absolute emperor, God tier what or whatever deity you may or may not believe in it is this tier of cheese epoise oh that oh. is oh. a yeah. proper like i've taken it out the fridge the night before it's running away the, the entire house. house just reeks mm -hmm. right and what i really love about epoise is some French person a long time ago has gone, I have made this cheese, it is iron calories, it is really bad for you. I don't know what to do with it. And somebody said, why don't you soak it in brandy for six months? That is a great idea. And they've done it. <laughs> and you have to go, that is possibly the greatest thing a human being's ever achieved. Uh, oh, we put someone on the moon. I don't care. Did they take a pass with them? No. Not relevant then, is it? But actually, so that's my fromage de toi, because I've just mentioned the moon. Here's another question for both of you. The first song ever played in space was a Christmas song. What Christmas song was it? Silent Night. Oh, that's a good shout, isn't it? It's a good, that's, because that could, could easily be Silent Night, but it's not Silent Night. Shame, I feel they missed a trick there, but fine. I think they did. I think yeah, they did. That's, I'm so, actually a little bit disappointed that they didn't just play the Die Hard soundtrack, you know. Oh, you've preempt you've preempted a question there. But anyway, right. go on. Uh, first Christmas song. What's my favourite Christmas. My favourite. Um, what would I want to be played? Oh, what's the um, oh jingle bells? Sod it. I don't believe this. Sixteenth of December, nineteen sixty-five. Gemini six yeah. A. Jingle bells. Fuck off. Well the done. The first the first song played in space. The first jingle. Christmas song played in space because it's both. Which was Jingle Bells. It was Jingle Bells. Oh, for God's sake. And, and also, this works because the moon is made of cheese, isn't it? So, you know, there's, there's just layers and layers mm. going on. But that means um, if you want to be an astronaut, unfortunately, a disqualification for being an astronaut is being lactose intolerant. Because mm. you wouldn't be able to go to the moon, would you? Because it's made of cheese. Yeah. So you, you, you'd have a support role, maybe down at like Houston yeah. in mission control, but you couldn't go to the moon. It'd be too risky. Yeah, that's a good you know, point. One's been set for the map and then you're dead. <laughs> that's, 
Oh, I came, I came out in a terrible rash up there. It was <laughs> anyway. The the other question because Ferg brought it, brought it up. Ferg, maybe yeah. Die Hard Christmas film, yes or no? Absolutely. Yes, I watched it yesterday. Correct uh, Dark Christmas. I mean, Alan Rickman falling off that uh, tower. That's Christmas, right there. Alan Rickman. What? I mean, what? He, I had quite a crush on him when I was a child. Um, the, yeah. as the sheriff of Nottingham. I think it's that. Oh, he, he stole that film. He stole that. A bit worrying if you'd had a crush on him, you know, once he started playing Severus Snape. I don't know. He still has a twinkle, doesn't he? Is that I still, Harry Potter I, reference? I still think he's got yeah, a bit Harry of a. Harry Potter reference. Yeah, it's a Harry yeah. Potter reference. I mean, I, I know I probably still would. Um, but I think, but actually, there's a documentary I haven't watched because I think my brother told me all the best bits about the making of Die Hard and how the investors like they nearly lost all the money for it. I think they lost a load of money by casting Bruce Willis because at the time they wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sly Stallone. At the time, Bruce Willis was doing a camp uh, act on like off Broadway, being quite yes. small and effeminate. Um, and that, yeah, and they they thought he was too small and sort of scrawny and camp and gay to be the hero of this um yeah action blockbuster so it had like it, it really struggled when they cast him because he, he was doing a sort of a camp ooh act which is so weird now I didn't know that. yeah but I'm gonna have to it is a documentary my brother's told me all about and there's loads of other stuff about the film as well like um Alan Rickman's face is really shocked when they drop him because they told mm. him they weren't dropping him and then they actually and they did um his bastard producer and director also also if, if you think about it right um Arnold Schwarzenegger who and this, to me, always feels like a guilty pleasure, even though I don't like the concept of a guilty pleasure, because if you enjoy it, if it's not illegal or immoral, yeah, then then there's no, no reason to feel guilty about it. I love 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger films. Yeah. I love them. I, 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 brilliant. I'll, when I want to switch off, and just I've had a really busy one of those. But if you think about it... Sorry, Libby. No, no. The only problem with these films, I really enjoy them, but then you watch them now, and they haven't aged brilliantly. No. Like homophobia... <laughs> Sexism. Absolutely. Yes. Like, yeah, oh, that's... I really enjoy this, but I feel I shouldn't. Oh, be. I am. Um, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan, and my mm. son got into Ghostbusters last year. And there's just again, there's little things, and then you go, this is quite problematic. But um... What I was going to say was <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, he's a big guy. He's not going to be able to crawl through those ducts, is he? No, he'd get stuck. Wouldn't work. That's he'd, he'd, be he'd, he'd be trapped oh, no. like 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 Phoebe Cates's. Uh, dad playing Santa in the Gremlins film, you know, when he got stuck up the chimney, that, that story in, in Gremlins. You know, anyway. Um, what is your favourite Christmas film? Oh, that's a good call. Favourite, Ferg, after you, favourite Christmas film? Uh, Great Escape. Watch what? it every year. Great Escape. Is that, should we classify that as a Christmas it, That's film? not a Christmas film. It is in my household. We watch it every Christmas. But just because it's on at Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas film. Like Christmas is not oh, central what? to the oh, film. So it, it needs to have candy canes in it. It needs to involve someone dressed. Oh, Elf in that case, actually. I fucking love that film. Oh, I mean, you can have both. I feel you can have both. Yeah. Yeah, really... Elf and Steve McQueen. Just, oh, just imagine if Steve McQueen was still alive and he could have played Elf. That would have been a very different film. That would have been a very different film. <laughs> I would have loved. I would have loved that. He's, he's there in the toy shop, just bouncing a ball against the wall, <laughs> waiting for Santa to appear. Uh, Libby, what's your favourite Christmas film? We have tradition in my household um, since I was since it came out. Muppets Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve. Oh, it, solid! 
it's the best Christmas. I mean, it, that when Kermit is singing about the night before Christmas, it, I mean, and I've always felt somewhat akin to Miss Piggy. Um, she's been an icon of mine since I was about six. Um, so it's, it's the pearls and the punching. I think, yeah, she just, and like pearls punching the fact she can, she can eat a lot. Um, so I, yeah, so I think Muppet's Christmas Carol is truly magical. But the one that I really hadn't given enough time to and rediscovered last year is It's a Wonderful Life. Because you hear about oh, it and you're like, yeah. oh, I probably watch it at some point. And I watched it and it's such expert and surprisingly modern script yeah. and filmography. Yeah. And I thought they could never remake this. If they did, it would ruin it because yeah. actually yeah. the script, the way it's filmed, the, the performance, it's modern in, in such a way. And it's, it's, it's so relevant. So, um, so probably Muppet's Christmas Carol, for nostalgia for me, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. So good. Yeah. So so good. Interestingly, you say that about It's a Wonderful Life, it panned when it was released at the oh. cinema. And it was only when the, um, you know, the intellectual copyright expired in 1974, it went into syndication that it took off as being recognised for the absolute piece of greatness that it is. Tremendous. So um, I, I, um, Are you going well, to introduce your wine? Uh, yes. He hasn't done his Christmas oh, film. Oh, um, yeah, well, I'm sorry, Lee. What's your favourite well, film, mate? Um, just what you should do, dear listener, is go back and listen to everything Libby said, because they're my they're my two choices. Are they? So the, the, eat some cheese and watch those films together. Those, that is right. It's on. That, is, uh, that just would that be after can you I delivered? Can I bring the Balfour? They're yeah, not on my film lists as they should be, but I'd like to be involved. I get so, I get really bad FOMO. So in terms of in terms of timing, we just need to do it after Libby's delivered the, her speech for the king. Yeah, because it's going to be January. <clears throat> January. Let's do it in January. Let's do it in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a tradition here in that Christmas Eve is the Polar Express. My little boy loves trains. Although the the, the characters are really like glass-eyed and terrifying that you know the, the the narrative and the moral story is wonderful um it's obviously a christian parable but i can look past that given my own proclivities and then christmas day muppet's christmas carol but my two personal favorites would be muppet's christmas carol and and it's a, a wonderful life i do have for you changing subject i've got another christmas cracker joke that is wine related oh why at Christmas is Lambrini called Ambrini? Because the angel said Noel. It's clever. It's clever. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't tickle me inside, but it's clever. I have to put um, up with this every fortnight. We sit here. He makes a joke, and then is this I the just, yeah. Like, okay, mate. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Which which makes it sound for like you don't really enjoy going through this process. But the bottle that you sent me would suggest otherwise, or it would suggest you've just completely lost your mind, misread the assignment, and gone absolutely mental. Because, dear listener, um, Mrs. Ferg's mum, I, I mean, Ferg, I, I, I genuinely totally flawed I'm, I'm flawed by lots of things anybody that's even remotely nice to me floors me um but this is ridiculous focus has sent me a bottle of churchill's quinta de agua alta so farm of the high water vintage port 1983 so 
for obvious reasons, that isn't getting opened right now as we record this podcast, podcast, because we're recording this on a Friday morning, a couple of weeks before Christmas. But what I think needs to happen with this bottle is I may not even enjoy it at Christmas because 1983 is my vintage. I happen to know there are some other very important and key people um, <laughs> who I call close friends. It's their vintage as well. And I think I think uh, 2023 needs to be a massive year of gigs, drinking, live comedy events. And I think this will play a starring role. And although Ferg's only like 12 years old or something, he's not going to be 40 for fucking ages. Ferg will have an invite at the table wherever it is this gets opened. Because this is just, because if I open this on Christmas Day, uh, Christmas Day will be uh, Mother Isaacs, La Patrona and Corte. Now, Corte's nine years old, so so he'll only have like two or three glasses of this, right? Hmm. La Patrona would have as as little as that. Well, you know, but bear in mind, he'll have been drinking, you know, probably night in or, or something in the morning. Uh, I mean, Balfour I hear Durham makes some nice uh, stuff. <laughs> um, you know, La Patrona would drink like a sip because she's not a big drinker. Mother Isaac's also not really a big drinker these days. So I'd have to work through the bottle myself, which sounds like it would be no hardship. But a wine like that is to be enjoyed by people who really get it and enjoy it. So you've gone way over the top, way over the top. I'm incredibly grateful. I, I cannot articulate my gratitude for this bottle that you have very kindly sent me. But I will relay very quickly. There's a story. The port is a hugely important wine for me, despite the fact I don't really drink a great deal of port now. But when I relay this story, you'll understand why I don't really drink port anymore. I got into, in, into this game really because of my father. He was the wine drinker, encouraged me to sort of like taste wines and get to know it. Didn't know a great deal, but that, that wasn't the point. Now, he had a bottle of uh, Delaforce 1977, obviously considered the second greatest vintage of all time in port after 63. 1929 was a staggering vintage, but nobody bottled it because of the financial crash. So they knew nobody can be able to buy this for decades or probably somebody made it, but it wasn't considered. So my old man gave me this bottle of 1977 vintage. But the idea was that we, we, we would ultimately share it together, although it had passed into my ownership. We would share it. If I, I don't know went to university, got married, something like that. Uh, my mother's quite traditional, and you'll see where this is going. She likes to make her own Christmas cake. I got home from work. So I hadn't long been in the wine. It was probably my first Christmas in the wine industry. So I think this was 20 years ago this year. Oh, no. But I got home from, well, I was still living at home then. Got home from work, walk into the kitchen. There's an empty bottle. Now, alcohol is, a, is an issue in my family, obviously. There's an empty, whole bottle, 70cl, empty bottle of brandy. Mother's macerating all the fruit for the Christmas cake, you know, Christmas pudding, whatever it was. I say, uh, Mum, she turns round, oh, hi Lee, she has upended in her hand this bottle of 1977, Delaforce Vintage Port. She's pouring it all over the fruit for the Christmas cake. I reacted swiftly, but logically. I swept her legs out, got a kidney punch in, wrestled the bottle from her arms. Right. To this day, that is forefront of my mind when it comes to me choosing her care facility. But <laughs> I I rescued two glasses of the 77 port and I shared it with my old man, uh, who is no longer with us, uh, hugely influential in my life. And, and the older I get, the more I realise that most people don't seem to get on with their parents. My old man was my best friend. So I shared this 1977 vintage port with him. No port 
whatever pot I drink, however good, it never gets near that because it never will. It mm. never will get anywhere near that memory. Support is a huge part of my wine career, my wine life, and a, a hugely fond memory for, for me. And actually, when my father passed away, I bought him, which sounds odd because he passed away, I bought him a bottle of 1988 Kinta Vargelis, and I put that in his coffin with him. That was my last gift to my old man. Support is a massive, massive thing for me with, with huge emotional weight. Uh, and I've completely killed the wonderful vibe and dynamic of this episode. I apologize. No, it's In short, I'm so grateful for this, but it will be, it won't be drunk over Christmas. It will be shared with both of you and some other people I can think of that. Now, the downside for you there is it means you will have to spend time with me in person. That's not pleasant for anyone, but I'm hoping the presence of the 1983 vintage port will, will offset that. So it, I'm going to say something now that I was saving for the end, but I'm going to do it now because it seems to fit. I've been in this game for, for 20 years, as I said, and I realised that working in this industry, I'm incredibly, unduly, undeservedly lucky and privileged because this industry is because of this industry that I've met people like you, Libby, Ferg, and, and other great people who are too numerous to mention. And because of that, I get a seat at the same table as you, and that is completely unwarranted. I've done absolutely nothing to deserve that seat but I've got it, it's there, I'm taking it. And I will never not be grateful for the opportunities that wine has afforded me to spend time with incredible, thoughtful, creative, insightful people like, like the two of you and, and the other people in my mind that again, to, to reel them off and take part in one. Uh, so I'm incredibly grateful for this bottle, Ferg. Thank you, it will be shared. And, um, and I, I can't wait to do that, so thank you. Uh, I've got I've got to come with a Christmas question here quickly, otherwise things are going to go off the rail. I'd like to play um, a, a game of binary questions. Here we go. So I'm going to so I'm I'm going to give you two options. First thing that comes to your mind, that's your answer. Um, okay. So Libby, you're first up. Yeah. Christmas tree, real or artificial? Real every time. Brilliant. Fergus, mince pies or Christmas pudding? Mince pies. Okay. Libby, giving or receiving? <laughs> <laughs> not a weighted question um both <laughs> i don't know what's funny about that Sorry, <laughs> well, no. I, no, I i've had know. two glasses of wine so anyway fergus <laughs> fergus scramble on monopoly monopoly libby turkey or goose turkey Ferg, sprouts or pigs in blankets pigs in blankets yes lee Oh. I mean, I love sprouts, but it's <laughs> sausage. <a> <laughs> um, I'm literally asking asking these in the in the order I've written them down. Uh, Libby, Alistair Sim or Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Oh yeah. Uh, Fergus, Bailey's or Disarono? Oh, could I, could I could I could I could I have Bailey's? I think the the correct answer there is neither. Um, yeah, well, that's what I wanted to say, but I don't want to be <laughs> <laughs> Libby. Uh, Balfour or Nightimber? Balfour, every time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, next question, Christmas question. This is for both of you. Uh, I'll, I'll take it to Libby first. You can have any celebrity chef cook your whole Christmas lunch from start to finish. They're catering oh. for you the whole day, no fee. They're doing it. They're providing all the ingredients. They're just going to rock up and do it all for you. Which celebrity chef do you choose to cook your Christmas lunch or dinner? so hard um ah uh, 
No, it's too hard. Um, probably um, Michelle. Can no, they have to be like Michelle Larue. Probably. Oh, that's a great show. That's yeah. a great show. Yeah. Great show. Yeah, Fergus. Um, I'd like to request two chefs. One that's actually going to talk to me, and one that's actually going to do the cooking. Um, so I'd like Mary Berry to talk to me because she's just so sweet. Um, but I'd like Gordon Ramsay to cook my Christmas dinner. Yeah, you don't want him talking to you because he'll swear at you. Well, that and I just, you know, he'd just tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong in my life, and then I'd cry, and it would be, it would, it would. It, I feel like it would put a bit of a downer on my Christmas day. Just like, yeah, you don't. You know, putting two pieces of bread over my ears and calling me an idiot sandwich. I don't, I'm not really into that kind of thing. It's, no. you know, I know some Mary people- Mary made my friend's wedding cake. Um, mm. No way. Friend, yeah, no. their wedding, which was pretty cool. Was it a Do good you know, cake? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. Mary Berry shares the first, the same first name as Mrs. Christmas, doesn't she? Oh. She does. Yeah. All right, Libby, what's the, what's the best Christmas present you've ever received? That is an excellent question. Um, and I have absolutely no idea. I've realised that, like, um, I was trying to write a piece. I've just been commissioned to write a piece about uh, Christmas. Sorry, I'm now not doing a fast question answer thing. Um, and I was talking about being a parent at Christmas and trying to, like, get the perfect thing and do the perfect thing. And I look back on it and I actually can't really remember any of the presents that I received so like, sorry, mum and dad, I know you spent <laughs> probably weeks and loads, like thousands over the years on presents, but um, it's not that really a Christmas for me um, uh, at all. Like it's more that like we have a tradition in my house that we start the day with mulled wine and my dad has a specific mulled wine recipe and it's the mm -hmm. smell of mulled wine and my mum's mince pies and sausage rolls and the fat, like I've really tried to think about, an ex-boyfriend got me actually, actually an ex-boyfriend got me tickets to see Turandot, um, or Turandot, again, not trying to pronounce it, at the Royal Opera House. And that was a really important opera for me growing up as a child, um, played all the time in my household and isn't often performed, I don't think. And that was pretty amazing. But yeah, I can't remember. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a great gift. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ferg? Was it, was it a magnum of Night Timber Blanc de Blanc, 1998? <laughs> Enough, no, no one's ever gifted me night in, but I don't know why. Very few, <laughs> very few people buy me wine. I find that upsetting. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's, it's such a truism. It's such a it's such an old Christmas trope, isn't it? It's 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 not what you receive. It's the it's the time you've spent with your family, and 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 it's true. You don't really remember the presents. You remember the experience, and you remember the food. Like I, I've got a better memory of what I had for Christmas dinner seven years ago: roast pheasant brace, um, delicious with some parsnips. It was a really good Christmas dinner. I can't tell you what gifts I got that year. Presents yeah. are hard. You want to, You always want to have nice presents. You always want to give nice presents, but. Actually, it is. It's the time you spend with your family. God, we. This has become a really deep Very, and meaningful. Oh my word! Bit of Christmas oh, fun. Um, oh, what I've had that's been nice. I've had lots of nice presents. Um, I got some. I got a barber jacket last year. That was quite nice. Nice. Yeah. I. I, I just like seeing everyone. It's just nice. Yeah, I take I Christmas that. very seriously, and we do a lot in the house. You know, we've got a lot of traditions, and I just love it. I think it's really good fun. Hard to agree. 
hard agree. What about you, mate? What's your best Christmas present ever? This is really, if I give an answer now, I'll sound really shallow and awful. No, no. I do echo both of you. I remember this, I think it was the, the Christmas we got married and my wife still wasn't in, in the UK because of the visa issue. So we, we got married in the August. So that was in many ways it, it was a nice Christmas I was with some family and actually a, a member of the family who was there passed away this year so it makes it even more special doesn't it um but it felt like a really hard Christmas because I really wanted to be with Adriana and couldn't and all of that and I remember getting lovely gifts as, as I always do I've, I'm, I'm again I'm, I'm unduly lucky you know family always buy me nice things but I remember thinking something it's as nice as these things are and as incredibly grateful that I am I just want to be with the right people Mm. um so I would reciprocate that having said that the best Christmas present I remember receiving was getting a so it would have been a six by three snooker table when I was I don't know like 10 or like, I can't remember I was I was I was sufficiently far away from being in Tasia maybe I was eight or nine something like that coming down the stairs um and, and opening the door into the into the into the living room and the snooker table set up blew my mind and that was it and I that's yeah that's probably probably the one that'd be my favorite Christmas present um a mountain bike once that was a good one that's a good present Father Christmas in general just excited me I don't think I really how much was in stocking but like that waking up and that stock I did get a bear jingle and he was my best friend for like I mean easily 15 years Oh. Um, and went everywhere <laughs> and like one time I came downstairs and had like hamsters that Father Christmas had somehow left um, like Father Christmas can do anything well, they survived the chimney I mean they, they were hardcore hamsters um, but yeah it was yeah like, I mean, but the, there is a magic to Christmas there is a magic to mm. Christmas and, uh, and going back slightly to what you were referencing about your port story uh, Lee is that it is a really jolly happy fun time in many ways but it's also it can be a time of that's very moving um, because of people you've lost, because of because of this the stress of modern life and the loneliness people feel. I mean, it's it's, a, it's as you get older, it's a it's more and more a sort of a layered celebration, the different nuances. I um as I think this is a callback to the first episode. I don't do nostalgia. Um, at all, that's not my um, not a thing for me. But Christmas is. And, and I think it's magnified in New York. It's an incredibly nostalgic time of year. And, you know, you do think about those things. And that becomes actually a much richer key part of it, I think, the older you get. And if you embrace that, which is not easy to do, yeah. but if you can embrace that, it becomes, I think that becomes very cathartic, mm. um, very powerful. My, oh, my uh, Corte, so what we do with Cortes, we don't put all the presents out in the morning or the night before. They come out over the course of the day because he's a little you know little boy little girl doesn't matter he's a child it just tears through them all so and and this was true particularly a couple of so he still believes in father he did ask me the other day for the first time is father christmas real like i don't even know why you're asking that like of course he is mm-hmm. and that but that seems fine so i seem to have addressed yeah. that i think next year might be a bit more challenging but um it was particularly true it wasn't it was either it must have been 2019 because i don't think it was the, the covid christmas where you know you'd get a present and I'd disappear off just for a second. Go, I'm just gonna check the Christmas dinner or something. And I'd go, Corte, 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 you've, oh, you've just missed him. And Corte would run out. What? What? 
oh, Christmas has just been and he's left another present. It blew his mind because there was no ambiguity. It's like, well, how else has this present got here? Like, oh. must be Father. And he, and he was gutted to miss him, but then God, well, Father, he's really busy. He's got all of these kids to look after in all and, and adults as well. He brings adults presents, but he left this and that. And, and you do that throughout the day. And it just, like, just seeing that absolute magic in his eyes was that's probably actually my favorite Christmas memory of all is, is seeing that they do a thing, don't they? NORAD, the North, is it North, North American Aerospace Defense? Yeah, they track it. That's brilliant. Mm. God, say, this is where Father Christmas is locked in, and they track him across the globe. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I've, I've got to get another wine related uh, quiz question in here because we are ostensibly wine postcards. Have you named Last... Okay. No, we, yeah, we need a name for it. Um, I think we should just call it Libby's Awesome. Um, last <laughs> Christmas, last Christmas, not I gave, as, uh, 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 are either of you out of Whamageddon? Are you still in as we record this? Of what? Wham Whamageddon. Right, so you're both still, so from the 1st of December, yeah. everybody is in, in a game of Whamageddon. So here are the rules. You are in until you realise you are listening to the original version of Wham's Last Christmas. So you've gone out to, well, not to a bar because we're saving that for January, but you're, gone, you're doing some Christmas shopping in the supermarket, okay. wandering about. And then you go, oh, they're playing Christmas music. Oh, no, it's last Christmas. You're out. Okay. Mm. If you don't, it could, it's possible that you hear it, but you don't know you're hearing it. That's fine. If it is on and somebody goes, huh, they're playing it, that doesn't count because they're intentionally getting you out. That's not fair. Cover versions, instrumentals don't count. But the minute you hear Wham's Last Christmas, you are out. I'm still in. We're recording this. Uh, obviously, we record this before it goes out. This is the 9th of December. My record is Christmas Eve at 2 p.m. Fucking Sainsbury's. <laughs> Those bastards. But ultimately, I realise it's not Sainsbury's fault, is it? I, I got cocky. I took mm -hmm. my eye off the ball. Yeah. Last minute, last minute dash. Went out without Mother your earplugs in. Yeah. Mother <laughs> Isaacs has gone, let's pop to Sainsbury's to get whatever it was we needed. Yeah. Let's have a coffee while we're here. I've just gone, yeah. What I should have done is go, no. I'm yeah. still in. It's Whamageddon. I've got to get to midnight and I can achieve what many think is impossible. I didn't Actually, say that, I'm, did I? I'd back myself because I don't think I've heard it this year. And because of where I live, I mean, I'm pretty rural, pretty isolated. There aren't many shops. I mainly shop online. And okay. Christmas music is, is not banned in the Balfour Winery shop, but it is heavily frowned upon. Um, yeah. we, have, we have an approved playlist and we stick to it. You've um, got to make sure that Last Christmas is not on there. Last Christmas is not on that list. Good. Um, it's, Good. it's very tasteful choral music, mainly. Um, it's, um, what's what's awful is when you get whammed several times in a day. I had it once where I got whammed not once, not twice, but three times, and it was like that. It was like Oliver Stone's platoon. I just fell to my knees in the supermarkets. Two or I three times. Trying not to make a comment because my mind <laughs> I, is. I, I, I've never been whammed three times in a single day. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Whammed um, three times in it. There's the title. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe what, was the, what, was the, what was the best Christmas present you've ever had? Wow, <laughs> oh my God, that was pretty good. There's a, there's a good, a good, slightly more adult Christmas cracker joke. 
oh what would you what would you come back as in the next life i'd like to come back as a tablecloth because at least i'd get laid several times a day nice. there you go i'll probably nice. edit that out because that was that was terrible. anyway here's the here's the question for you to bring us back to wine yeah okay last christmas how much did uk shoppers this is uh retail how much did uk shoppers spend on fizz that's all fizz champagne prosecco carver the whole lot english sparkling night timbers in there everything. all adds up together Bloody yeah hell, over the over the over what is there, then we're into big numbers here big numbers yeah 100 pounds so the the eight weeks of what is considered the eight weeks of christmas retail how much did uk consumers spend on sparkling wine in all its forms no idea i have absolutely Could this become like multiple choice could we have four options um okay more than five pounds more than 500 pounds more than five thousand pounds or more than five million pounds more than five million <laughs> what the <laughs> what's for example as libby said more than five million does that mean i can't use that yeah you're not, you're not allowed to use that answer now because otherwise you just you just riding on <laughs> more than five pounds. Well, both of you are correct. That's weird. <laughs> the answer is fifteen point five million. Stop. That's in fifteen and a half million. That's that's impressive. That's quite quite incredible, we love, isn't it? We love a sparkle, don't we? We love a sparkle. We do love a fish. This is mine and Christmas related, unintentionally, because I was thinking about my favorite Christmas song. My yeah. favorite song is called White Wine in the Sun. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with this. Tim Minchin, who is amazing, Tim Minchin, he wrote a Christmas song called White Wine in the Sun. I urge you to listen to it. I listen to it on repeat uh, every Christmas. I'm a lyrics person, so I love the lyrics of a song. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just exactly how I feel about Christmas. It basically summarizes, because I'm not religious. Um, but I do love tradition, ritual, and there is a sacredness about the coming together of family and those things. And so obviously Tim Minchin is a very outspoken atheist. And um, so the song is all about, there's lots that he finds conflicting in the sort of general idea of this Christmas thing, but he loves it and like why he loves it. And basically it's about family and he's from Australia, I think, mm -hmm. yeah and drinking white wine in the sun with his family. And it's it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song. I urge everyone to listen to it. That is my favorite Christmas song. Yes, favorite Christmas song. Oh, actually, well, we, it's more, it's more a panoply of songs. So we have um, a weird tradition in my family where every, every time we go home for Christmas, mum always puts the same CD on. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's Vaughan Williams, it's The Lark Ascending, and we have it with every Sunday. It's because we used to have it on Sunday nights before we went, so we both went to boarding school. So Sunday nights we'd go to boarding school and we'd, mum would play Lark Ascending and we'd have that with some stew. Um, it was always fucking stew. And as a result, I no longer like stew. Um, but I still have a real soft spot for Lark Ascending. Um, and so that would be, that would be, it's not very Christmassy, but that would be what I'd want to listen to. Right, it also yeah. goes with your non-Christmassy Christmas film. Exactly. So yeah. I, I, don't, yeah, I don't want to be typecast here. Yeah, no, no. Brilliant. 
Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been what I knew it would be an absolute pleasure, a complete thrill. Libby, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and more time than we expected, but that's the way the show is. I've drunk half a bottle of this 14% wine and it's, it's not even half 11 in the morning. It's well, it's a bit like tequila, isn't it? Like the, I've you, got you always drink te- <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a great meeting. Um, it's like tequila. The, the first half of the bottle will get you drunk, second half sew you up. So just torpedo it down, you'll be fine. I better just be fine. carry on then. Um, I won't talk to them about getting whammed three times for my Christmas. <laughs> Just open with that. It's a bold opening conversational gambit. See how it goes. But Louis, hugely appreciated. Thank you. Um, What I'd like to say to both of you, I'm sure we will speak before the big day, but to both of you, I'd like to to wish you uh, sincerely, and it's difficult for me to sound sincere, but I am sincere. Um, I'd like to wish you, I'd I'd like to wish you both a very happy. Slightly effeminate. But sincere, you yeah, sound I, yeah, right. I do sound. I do. Well, I'll just go and like smoke a cigarette, drink some whiskey. And go, well, oh, Fergus, Fergus got a new co-host. He's got whoever it is that plays Deirdre on Coronation Street. Um, our, our listener figures will double uh, to two. Wait, I mean, be sincere. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'd like to wish you both a very happy, a very healthy, very safe Christmas. Um, and however you both spend it, I, I hope it's wonderful. Um, and thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you both. Merry Christmas to our listener. Um, and this is the Christmas special. We will return, which sounds more like a threat than a promise, but we will return for season two, which will feature a more in-depth episode with Libby. But very Merry Christmas to you both and to our one listener. Cheers. Merry Thank you. Thanks, Berg's mum. Oh, she'll, she'll love that. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Libby. Cheers, Libby. Bye. Thank you for supporting us at The Maker and The Merchant. Fergus and I will be taking a short break over the New Year period, but look forward to returning very soon for Season 2. And to all our listeners, a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.